welcome to the Supernatural Life Podcast. My name is Shadi Akimbe. Thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. And on today's episode, I will be continuing with the prayer series titled The Benefits of Prayer. I started this in the last episode. And um, just a quick summary of what I shared on the last episode. Uh, on the last episode, I talked about what prayer is. I talked about some of the reasons we can get frustrated with prayer or why we can find prayer boring, especially as new Christians, as new believers. And I shared some examples about how we can prevent getting frustrated with our prayer life, how we can connect with God so that prayer becomes our own personal journey with God, you know, where we are growing in our relationship with God and prayer becomes interesting and lively to us. So much so that we take prayer beyond our regular quiet time with God, that prayer becomes part of us through the day, where we practice carrying the presence of God with us, praying and fellowshipping with God throughout the day in our hearts, regardless of the activities we are engaging throughout the day. And I talked about so much more as well. So please take time to listen to that if you have not. And uh, today, I will continue with the prayer series talking about the benefit of prayer in purpose. The benefit of prayer in purpose. Today, so, we, so today, we will be talking about priesthood and purpose. The importance of prayer in fulfilling our purpose. Okay, as we are talking about God's purpose for man today, have you ever wondered, what is my purpose? purpose here? Have you ever thought, why am I here? What is my destiny? What is God's plan for my life? I tell you, this is a very good place to get a personal understanding of God's plan and purpose for creating man and to get a concept of God's purpose for you from the word of God. Our prayer life is connected to the very purpose we were created. So prayer is like the vehicle that connects you to your purpose. And honestly, without a relationship with God, you cannot connect with your purpose. Because without depending on God, you cannot fulfill the eternal purpose that God has created you for in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness to rule over creation. Let's go to Genesis. Come with me, please, to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animal, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every grain plant for food. And it was so. 
Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So this is account of creation. We can see God created man from the start for relationship and dominion. You can also see that God created everything ready for man. God made everything in abundance. Man did not have to struggle for anything. All man needed to do was just to be in that place of enjoying it. So the purpose for the creation of Adam was to have relationship with God and enjoy everything God created. Adam was created to enjoy fellowship with God as his father. And then after that comes the second purpose of Adam, which is having dominion. To have dominion means to rule or to govern, to have a legal authority, to be a manager over somewhere or something, just to manage something. So Adam essentially was given the authority to be in charge and have control over the earth, to steward the earth, to reflect God's plan for the earth. Adam was given the role of managing the earth just as God will do it if God was doing it himself on his own. And so we can see clearly from the Bible how from the very beginning God wanted a being who can relate to him. God wanted a being who will have the ability to function in the capacity of God. A being that will have the rulership statue like God who will be able to rule, who will be able to govern. A being who will be a carbon copy of God's image and likeness. So God created Adam from the dust and breathed into him to make Adam a living soul. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, I'm going to read from Amplify just to give a bit of depth to it for better understanding. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, Then the Lord God formed that is created the body of man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, an individual complete in body and spirit. So essentially, God created Adam from the soil. God molded man with the soil and then God filled Adam with himself. God filled Adam to be in the likeness of God, to be a copy of God. Because when God breathed into Adam's nursery, God filled Adam with his own spirit. He became alive with the breath of God. So Adam was without any sin at creation. He was sinless. He was perfect. Adam was a perfect, conscious, rational thinking being who could reason, who could make decision. It was a being in the likeness and the image of God. And Adam's spirit was joined with God's spirit. Adam was living by the breath of God. That makes Adam and God one. It was one with God. And even when you talk about that, we can see a reflection of the Godhead. For example, the Godhead are joined together as one. I'm talking about the Godhead as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even though they are different, they are three different personalities, but they are one. They are always one. You can't even separate them. They work together as a team, as one. Their essence is one. They are so united. They flow together, fellowship. So God brought a man into this dynamic relationship to flow in that dynamics with God to have that flow. That's what God wanted, that fellowship. So, and secondly, God created Adam to have dominion. 
after God created Adam, God then spoke word of dominion into Adam. That word gave Adam a, a status of rulership like God. You know, by nature, God is very much a being of power, but also a ruler. He is a ruler. He has sovereign power. He, has, he reigns over all. is the head of all. He is a ruler. So God created a mirror reflection of himself in Adam. Man was given a rulership status over creation. This is why man always desire to rule because he has been blessed with this nature. To be blessed means to be empowered by God with the ability to do something. So essentially, Adam was first and foremost to be a high priest of God. Adam was supposed to minister to God and through the connection with God, Adam is given the power and the authority from God to have dominion over the earth, to subdue the earth, to make the earth fruitful. Through his connection to the life of God, he was supposed to subdue the earth to reflect God's plan and purpose. So we can see from the word of God that from the very beginning, mankind was created in union with God. And through this union, man will flourish. Man will populate the earth and make it a flourishing place that is in harmony with the, with heaven. Heart is supposed to be a reflection of heaven, where God lives. And so the Bible tells us that everything was in harmony according to God's plan. Things worked together as God ordained it. Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. We, we have the account of the Bible saying that in the cool of the day, God will come. They will fellowship together one-on-one. And also before the fall, we see from the Bible account, Adam operating in the likeness of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, God brought all the animals to Adam and Adam was able to name them. The Bible says, whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name. When you're talking about naming something, it was just not random, just calling anything. No, in the Jewish culture, when you are naming a thing, a name is prophetic. The name is supposed to be that thing must be, will become that thing. So for this, to name all the animals, for Adam to name all the animals, to, he was able to penetrate into the God class. He was able to receive divine revelation, intelligence from God. That was a spiritual intelligence that he downloaded from God. It's, it's by revelation. It's a supernatural knowledge of something that is not known to the natural. So he was ruling, he was operating in divine class of God through the connection with God. So as such, without the divine life of God, the plan of God for mankind to have dominion over the earth was not going to be possible. We can see from that. And this is why I'm talking about priesthood and purpose today. This is why I'm talking about why our spiritual life, why our relationship with God is very important because it has a direct impact on whether or not we will be able to fulfill the plan God has for us. You know, the word of God says, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says he has good plans for us, plan to bring us to an expected end, to give us a good future, a great future. But he says, that plan will come to pass as you seek him with all your hearts. When we seek him with our hearts, that is how we'll be able to come 
into fulfillment of God's plan, God's purpose, eternal purpose for us. So this is why I'm talking about our prayer life, that is very important. Prayer has got to be our first priority above all the business of life. This is our first responsibility, our spiritual connection with God. And now, this is where I am going with this topic today. Now, like I said, God had planned for Adam. God planned for him to have dominion. And God had provisions made for Adam. Everything was ready for Adam to fulfill his purpose, to have dominion. But yet, Adam failed. But yet, the plan of God for Adam failed. God's plan for dominion failed. Because Adam failed. Why did Adam fail? We know that God cannot fail. But why did the plan fail? God's plan failed because Adam accommodated the devil in his space. He allowed the enemy into his space. God gave Adam dominion. God gave him authority. God gave him power to subdue the earth, to be in control, to subdue Satan, and to make everything to be subjected to what God's will is. To, for the heads to prosper, to be in agreement with what heaven is like. And so Adam should have kicked the devil out when Satan showed up with suggestion to tempt, to doubt the word of God. Adam should have kicked the devil out of his garden. He should not have accommodated the enemy. Adam entertained doubting the word of God. And that was the fall of humanity. Adam was playful with his spiritual connection with God. Adam was negligent of his spiritual life. Let's put it like that. He was neglectful of his spiritual life. And we all fall victim to this, all of us. And that's why we need to understand that the enemy is not playing jokes with us. He's out to destroy. His intention is continually evil. And so we have to be aware that we are in a battle. The enemy is not playing games. And we must wake up to this reality every day. In fact, every moment we are awake, we must live in that moment. We must live in this reality. Be intentional about our spiritual work, about our prayer life. Every time God gives you a promise in his word, every time God gives you a dream, God shows you his plan for you. The enemy is also going to come. It's going to come to, to sabotage that plan. It's going to come with doubt to steal that plan, to, to defeat that plan, to defeat you, to defeat the plan of God. He wants to defeat the plan of God. And so if he can stop you, he will be able to stop the plan of God. And that's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians that we must learn to put on the armor of God. Because we have a spiritual battle over our lives. Please come with me. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. I'm reading from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. So what, what is the armor of God? The armor of God is the word of God, is the promises of God. You know, when Paul wrote this passage, he wrote it to the believers in the Ephesians. He tried to use the illustration that will help for practical understanding. When he was under house arrest, he had the Roman soldier keeping watch over him. And he noticed how they would dress. They were in their military armor. They had on this armor to protect them. The Roman armor was, was made of metals. And they covered different parts of the body. And then they had the shield. They had the sword. So they were ready to go to battle. And they were also ready to defend themselves. So Paul looked at how the Roman soldier was dressed. And then he liked King to believers in this world. As believers, we have a spiritual battle going on. The evil forces of darkness that want to control this world. That want to ruin the plan of God. That wants to destroy humanity. So Paul liking this uh, letter he wrote to the believers to encourage them that you are in a spiritual battle. Just like the Roman soldiers are in the, are in the military and there is the warfare going on, natural warfare. Also for believers there is a spiritual warfare. It's just to bring the awareness, the consciousness of what we are facing every day. And so the armor of God is the promises of God. When Paul said, put on the armor of God, he's telling the believers to take the word of God, the promises of God, as our armor. It says, in verse 14, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist. The word of God is the truth. So whatever circumstance of life that we face, whatever situation we face in life, in whatever aspect, the word of God is the truth that we can hold on. Because Christ has defeated the enemy. He has defeated sin and he has given us victory. So when we hold on to the promises of God, we are holding on to the truth. Maybe today you are going through a situation that the doctor has said you have a terminal sickness that is incurable. That is a fact. Yes, we accept that it's a fact. But there is another fact, which is the truth. That is the word of God is the truth. The word of God is greater than sickness the blood of jesus is able to deliver the bible says by the stripes of jesus we were healed so when you stand on the word of god is the truth the fact is a fact but as you hold on put on the word of god take hold of the word of god this is your hammer of protection now this is the word you stand on that is how we put on the hammer of god that is what the hammer of god is is the, the promises of god in every area of your life the word of God, the promises of God is our protection. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Christ is our peace. The, the message of God, the good news, the gospel is the gospel of peace. That is the good news. Jesus has come to preach peace to us as we believe in him. As we believe his promises, we can live in peace, in the peace of Christ. I love verse 16. Just take note of this verse 16. It says, in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one now other versions other bible translations say above all 
take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith is absolutely critical. It's very important. What is the shield of faith? The shield of faith, our faith in God is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Trusting in God is our shield. We might not be able to see the promise now. You might not be able to see your the healing you are believing God for. But when you hold up the word of God as a shield of faith, that is standing against the enemy. You know, the shield of faith, I want to talk about the Roman shield. When you talk about that Roman shield, the Roman shield was used to protect the soldier from deadly weapons aimed at it. So if a deadly object is coming, the enemy is throwing objects at the soldier, maybe an arrow is coming, something dangerous is coming, he will hold up his shield against that object. That shield will stop that object from penetrating the soldier. In the spiritual realm, when we speak the word of God, we are holding up a spiritual shield against the attacks of the enemy. When we stand in faith, it's a shield. When we declare the promises of God, it's a shield against the lies of the enemy. The shield of faith is what we use as a sword and a shield against those fiery darts of Satan. What are the fiery darts? The fiery darts are the thoughts the demons put in our head. They are the thoughts of doubt, thoughts of fear, thoughts that makes us to worry and get anxious. Those negative thoughts, those are lies the devil tells us. Those lies do not agree with the word of God. Those are fiery darts that the enemy puts in our head, causes us to think about, gets us discouraged, gets us to begin to spiral down into depression, gets us to be hopeless, gets us to fear. It's the kind of a tormenting spirit. The enemy torments us with these thoughts. They are fiery darts. But when we hold up our faith, when we hold up the promises of God, when you take on the promises of God, you hold your shield of faith in place against the enemy. It is important to learn how to hold on to the promises of God. Learn how to hold up the promises of God as a shield against those demonic thoughts, those tormenting thoughts that the enemy assaults our minds with. Learn how to use the promises of God as your weapon of defense against Satan and also as a weapon to attack the enemy. Because when you speak the promises of God, the enemy will flee. That's why the Bible says, resist the enemy and he will flee. When we speak the promises of God, you cause the enemy to flee. The enemy flees because the battle belongs to the Lord. When we are speaking the promises of God, we release angels to do the bidding of God. The Bible says that in Psalm 103 verse 20 that angels are to the word of God. They do the bidding of the word of God. They obey the word of God. When you speak the promises of God, it's as if God is speaking. And the angels, they go forth to minister to you as a child of salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 that we have inherited salvation through Christ. We have inherited salvation. God has delivered us from sin. He has delivered us from the consequences, the curse. We have inherited salvation from the fall. 
that came through Adam and Eve. We have received a new life through Christ. We have salvation. We have the promises of God. And so we have inherited salvation. And the angels minister this salvation to us. When you speak the promises of God, the angels, they will go forth to minister in your life. They will go forth to minister to see that the plan of God, the purpose of God for you comes to pass. They work in agreement with the plan of God when you speak the promises of God. But if you don't speak the word of God, they have nothing to fight with. They have nothing to fight with. That's why you need to study the word. Know what the Bible says about your circumstances. Whatever you're facing now, study the word of God. And then pray with the promises of God that speaks to you, to that situation. Declare what God says about it instead of what your feelings is telling you. Don't agree with your feelings. Your bank statement might not be good, but you don't need to trust in that. You can trust that God can provide. God can give you, make provision, make a way where there is no way for you. The Bible says God has redeemed us from the curse of, of sickness. He has redeemed us from the curse of lack, poverty. And so we must learn to speak like the redeemed of the Lord. We must learn to speak in that term. We are redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? To be redeemed means to regain possession of something that was lost. Through Adam and Eve, we were lost. But through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, because Jesus died for our sins to redeem us, he has, we have been repossessed. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. Christ has paid the price for us to be released from the prison camp of Satan, prison camp of sickness and disease and all the wickedness of this world, to come into the peace of Christ. So whatever you're going through right now, suffering you're going through, don't focus on what you see in the natural. Look to God for supernatural help. Open your Bible and take the word of God as a seed to plant what you want to see in the future. If a farmer wants to harvest orange, if he wants to harvest apple, whatever he wants to harvest, he will take the seed. If he wants the orange, he will take the seed of orange and put it in the soil and be expecting his harvest. If he wants apple, he will do the same thing. Get the seed and put it in the soil and expect harvest. The Bible is a bag of promises, like the farmer will have his seed bag with different kinds of seed that he wants to sow. The same thing, the word of God is full of promises, promises against fear, promises against disappointment, against failure, against sickness. We can take hold of these promises like a seed and you plant it. Instead of saying what you see, speak what the word of God says. Don't agree with the doubt of the enemy. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to doubt the word of God. Trust the promises of God. You know, this is going to be a sacrifice. I know it's not easy. Like I said, we all fall victim, but we got to learn to shift our focus constantly, meditating on the word of God, renewing the mind. The Bible says we are to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good pleasing and perfect will god revealed something to me about this verse about worship the holy spirit revealed to me that when i am allowing my mind to be thinking worrying thoughts fearful thoughts doubting the word of god in a way i am giving myself to worshiping the devil i am giving the enemy a a, a worship because I am offering my mind as a place of worship to the enemy. I'm thinking his thought. It really opened my understanding. It really enlightened me that this is something that is serious. And that really helped me to be more intentional about what I'm thinking. So it's going to be a sacrifice of worship when it doesn't look like it. When the things that we are believing God for, we have not seen the promises come to pass. We have not seen that promise, that healing, that dream that plan come to pass it's going to take sacrifice to keep trusting god and to keep speaking in agreement with god instead of meditating on negative things and allowing doubt to reign allowing the enemy to torment our minds with fear and worry we're going to have to choose to trust god it's a sacrifice the bible says you cannot serve god and mammon we can't serve two masters our body is a living sacrifice unto God. We've got to learn to think about what we are giving our bodies to, what we are giving our minds to, to be in agreement with God, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. In closing, I want to encourage you today. God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we seek first the kingdom of God, when we seek first after God, our spiritual life will be changed. And all those things, God will see to it that those things are added to us. God will not deny what is good for us. He's so faithful. He's so good. So be encouraged today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you that your word today will bring forth fruit in the lives of the listener. Lord, I pray for everybody who is listening right now. Maybe they feel discouraged. Maybe they feel weary about their spiritual life. Maybe they feel frustrated. Lord, I ask for a fresh anointing. I ask for a renewal in the spirit. Let the yoke of oppression be broken. Let every hindrance of the enemy be removed. Father, I pray that, Lord, you will draw this listener. You will draw their heart to yourself. Father God, I pray that you will strengthen them spiritually. I pray for your spiritual strength. I pray for your power. I pray for your glory. I pray your kingdom will come in the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray against every oppression of the enemy. I come against every attack of the enemy. I come against spiritual attack. I come against witchcraft attacks, occultic attack against anyone listening right now. Let the power of the enemy be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father God, for your strength and your plan and your purpose. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you will bring these ones into your purpose. Lord, I pray against failure and against disappointment. Lord, I pray for a renewal. Where where there has been failure, Lord, let there be a turnaround. Change the situation. And I also pray, Father God, for healing, that you will heal bodies. Lord, I speak to physical I speak to the physical bodies now. I come against sickness. I come against disease. I come against terminal illnesses in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare your word. I declare the blood of Jesus. I speak 
healing in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance for that person. You need deliverance today. Lord, may you visit this person and bring that deliverance, bring that help. Some of you, you need helpers. You're asking for help. Lord, I pray, Father God, that helpers of destiny will come. You will align with them people that will help them to bring them into the purpose that you have for them in the mighty name of jesus i pray for understanding let their eyes be open i pray their eyes be open to see what you have prepared for them that they will not walk in darkness but they will walk in the reality of your truth father i thank you for ministering angels right now that are ministering to hears of salvation ministering salvation deliverance in the mighty name of jesus i pray amen thank you lord thank you jesus Amen. And thank you for listening today. And until the next episode, God bless you.